You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online, and that means I can only be Andrew Mackay-Smith because I'm the only one who does this. The interviews, I mean. I'm the interviewer. There you go. Right, who have I got coming up for you? I've got Alex Vakatsis. He's from the US Outfit, a trio. Now, the reason for the chat with Alex is to talk up their late February and very early March 2020 Australian shows. I'll read out some dates. Wednesday, the 26th of Feb, they're in Brisbane at the Zoo. Thursday, the 27th, in Sydney at Manning Bar. Friday, the 28th, in Melbourne at Max Watts. Saturday, the 29th, Perth, you get a show, a leap year day show. Let's call that leap year day, the 29th of February, at Amplifier. And finally, Adelaide, there you go, the City of Churches, you get a show on the 1st of March, which is a Sunday at Jive. So let's have a listen to what Alex has to say. Alex, Andy McKay-Smith calling for a chat. How are you going? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good, man. What's up with you guys at the moment? Are you on tour or still at home? Uh, we are at home. We just got out of the studio. We recorded in this time uh, and the last time we recorded like in two different three-week blocks. Hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Some rehearsing get ready for our trip down under then uh we go to malaysia and then we are going to come back and finish our record excellent you say you're recording there in two three-week blocks so uh, i take it all the pre-production gets done before you try to get in there with that sort of time frame there is zero pre-production is that right you just you just get in there and do it we're fucking ballers man i've been doing this for so long i write lyrics in my sleep literally i wake up and i have lines and i write them down and there's two songs on this record shit if they make the record of course that it's literally me waking up in the middle of the night going broken and i have to like write down lyrics or something but that's the way it goes man yeah we've been doing this i mean it's 20 years yeah no, you know yeah. i'm not not good at a whole bunch but we're, we're okay at this and um mm-hmm. John, our producer, John Feldman, he did uh, Let Sales. Yeah, he's Goldfinger. Uh, Goldfinger. Yeah, he has crazy energy, and it like he has more energy than us, and he's a few years older than us. And so when we get around him, it like pumps us up. And like no matter what, we write one song a day. Um, you every now and then we crank out two songs a day. So I think in yeah. the three weeks, we realistically we we work on the weekdays. We don't work on the weekend. Um, it was like, I think we have 18 or 19 songs, uh, and that's just in our first block. So we'll come back and we'll probably write at least another dozen songs. Mate, that's incredible, really. So when, when you guys release an album, from the sounds of things, it literally is a snapshot in time of that moment in time. So you're not talking about songs that were written, say, 10 years ago or demoed 10 years ago, and they just decided to find... Uh, find a life now, like what Van Halen did with their last studio album, which was written apparently back in the late 70s or early 80s, and they just released it now and re-recorded some of the tracks. We're, we're actually getting what's in your guys' heads and what's coming out of your hands right now. Yeah, I think it's cool because especially right now, there's so much... If you're a comedian and a musician, there's lots of good inspiration every day. You know what I mean? Especially Absolutely. Uh, in America, <laughs> unfortunately. Actually, all over the world is pretty shot. But uh, in America, especially, is ripe with things that make you feel something, whatever it is. Maybe you're happy about it. Maybe you're sad about it. It's not my place to speak for people. But you get what I'm saying? Like, you feel some shit right now. Mm-hmm. And I think comedians handle it by making fun of it. And we, I, I handle it by making music and, and words about it. So I, 
<laughs> it's a good time to be inspired. Comedy's in a really interesting spot at the moment, isn't it? Because of, um, you know, the thought police around what you can talk about, what you can laugh about. And it was really interesting recently when Dave Chappelle released his extraordinary new, new comedy special. And there was only four or five people that were allowed to comment on it as critics on Rotten Tomatoes. And, of course, it got a zero rating or thereabouts because it was politically incorrect. It's Dave Chappelle, for God's sakes. He just goes for the jugular. And when fans were able to comment on it, it went up to about 96% or 97%. So it's really interesting yeah. that there's an establishment that says you do, you can't and you can't say this, you can't do this. But as regular people, nobody seems to give a shit, really. Just ju- using that as an episode yeah. to sort of make a judgment. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, mate. Let's uh, let's talk about this uh, tour this month in Australia, and we've touched on it. You have been going for twenty years, but that means that you've got seven quality albums from which to draw material. So I've got to ask. I mean, how on earth? And I've got. I've asked this question a lot of some artists that I've spoken to lately who have a career kind of similar to yours, been around for as long. But how on earth do you do you colour set list from such a uh, from such an expansive catalogue? Um, you know, if I'm being totally honest, Dan looks up on Spotify what what like yeah uh, in Australia our our band do, and we we cater to the audience, man. Uh, as a kid growing up, I wanted to hear that song, whatever it was, right? And mm-hmm. that, that group of songs, that couple songs that really got you into the band. You love their songs, you love their body of work, but there's a couple songs that it means something to you, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to give that to our fans into the people that enjoy our music. So it doesn't make sense for us to go and like, Hey, we're just going to play all new songs or just all songs that we want to play. There's something to be said for that, but I don't know if that's like super realistic. I like having a great show and I think you have a great show by, by playing songs that people want to (laughs) hear. Yeah. Well, no, that's smart as look, I mean, gosh, you know, to your point, you got to give the fans what they want because um, I'll keep on coming back then and things will change, you know, uh, meaning that the natural yeah. order of things is that people will cycle through different songs. You know, you're not always going to stay as a fan listening to the one song all of the time. And I think you've been down here quite a bit over the years, haven't you, as well? Yeah, yeah, we love it. We, we usually go back every couple of years. Unfortunately, there's been some bigger gaps here and there just because of life and, and things like that. But, man, I love it. Um, it's... If I was going to leave the United States, there's two places I'm going to go. It would be like the West Coast of Canada uh, and then somewhere in Australia. Awesome. Uh, it's I, I love it. There's a lot of parallels between there and where I live in Southern California, especially Absolutely. like Brisbane, Gold Coast, and things like that. To like, not like surf, skate, out, like outdoors, but some of that. It just feels, it feels very familiar. Um, and a kind of a cultural melting pot too. Like there's a bunch of different types of people uh, in Australia and, and where I live in, in Southern California is the same way. Yeah, definitely. So my, yeah. my wife and I went there for, on our wedding, uh, our honeymoon. Nice. We went to like Brisbane, the Gold Coast, Sydney. Uh, you know, we love, uh, we love it, man. We have a great time. It's easy to understand people. You know what I mean? Uh, Americans, we speak American uh, at best. <laughs> so when I, when I go other places and people try to talk to me, like I'm, I'm an idiot. So it's nice to be able to communicate feebly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and it's you, you're on point there. I'm from the Gold Coast, actually. And, uh, yeah, Southern California, San Diego especially. I've long said that if I could live in the U.S., uh, it would be San Diego because it's very similar to home. Oh, yeah, for sure. San Diego, especially like a town, the area called Oceanside, 
mm. Escondido, a bunch of these. It's so similar. Yeah, lovely, lovely part of the world, that one there. And, and I, you know, we talked about your relationship there with Australia, but there's a few bands that have this really strong connection with Australian audiences, and you're definitely one of them. So can you put it down to anything? And when did you first notice that that relationship really started to emerge? The first time we went down there, we played, I'm horrible with places, but I won't say in Brisbane, in like a church, a Presbyterian church or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, another venue, yeah. And, <laughs> like people were going crazy, like banging on the, the the plexiglass stuff upstairs and going insane. And then when we went to leave once and get in like one of the vans, it was like a a little bit of a scene out of a much like, bigger band's like daily life, you know. <laughs> yeah, not our normal thing. So, uh, like, I think it was just excitement because it was like years gone. It was the first time we we ever came down, but. Ever since then, we're like, man, there's something special about this. We always have good shows. It's just a good vibe overall. Mm, sweet, man, yeah. Yeah, and um, look, you've been at it, as you mentioned, for over 20 years now. You had your 20th anniversary last year. So apart from everything else, congratulations on career longevity. But I've got to ask, what do you think it is that gave you guys an advantage and keeps on giving you an advantage to have this career? Because, mate, as you know, you're literally the one in a million. Dumb luck, blind determination, a mix of both. You know what I mean? Mm. When we started, we were really young, and we didn't know any better, and I think that worked to our credit. I think a lot of people like get told no, and they just they go with it. And I think we got told no, but we were kind of young and dumb, and we just kept saying yes, and we found ways, and you know, we just kept going. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's all you can do, I think. Yeah, Your 20s are a weird time, aren't they? Because you're still a kid, but you're expected to be an adult. And... A lot of people do start bands, but they sign awful record contracts or they get terrible management or they're frankly not that good, but they're convinced in their righteousness that they are a very good band. But very few man managers sort of get through, but you, you guys have been able to do it. And I think you guys have survived being labelled, really being labelled anything as well, meaning the metalcore thing or what have you. You're really just a good, hard rockin' band these days, and I think people identify with that. Is that something you'd agree with as well? Yeah, I think, you know, the beginning when we were kids, like record or two, we pigeonholed ourselves in that, like, this is what we are. This is what we make, but we never used the term metalcore. Metalcore is something that, that came along later. And I just take the whole, that whole phrase and movement is kind of tongue in cheek to me. It's just music, man. Um, but to, to my point, we just, like I said, like we just make what we make. And it, when we were younger, the only way that we could convey it was just like through like me screaming and us writing like a certain type of song. And as we've grown, we've gotten older, we've expanded our horizons, we listen to more things, we've been through more things in life. Yeah, it, It's become more about conveying the emotion through the song rather than like picking this aggressive sounding song and it's going to be aggressive and no matter what, you know, yeah, dude, uh, yeah, it's yeah. about the right music to fit the mood of what we're trying to get across or what we feel the song is about, you know? Mm. Yeah, I, I get it. But look, the, the other thing too is, and I've done a bit of reading online, but I think you're still running a gym. So correct me if I'm wrong on that one there, but I mean, you're obviously a busy bloke. You know what, I... You're right. I actually, I closed the gym several years ago. I have a, I have a uh, crazy life, but um, around the time my I had my first child, my wife and I had our first kid, um, I was running uh, a gym. I owned a gym. And at the same time, another passion of mine has been art. I've been into art for a long time, and I got an apprenticeship tattooing. 
there was no way. Nice. And then at the same time, the band was coming back. We were on hiatus and we were going to come back with a full force. So it was like, if you know any tattoo apprenticeship alone is enough to occupy all of your time. Yeah. Um, so I had to ditch the gym and honestly, like the gym was doing great, but every time I would leave, it would suffer. You know, I wasn't there. Yeah. And it, yeah. even though you have employees and they do a great job, like my buddy, Brandon Chappetti runs a gym. He's run it for years. The singer bleeding through, yeah, he's course. got his yeah. finger on, he's got his finger on the pulse of his clientele because he's always there. He, he sees it. He sees them every day. He knows what they want and need. If I'm not there, I can't do that. And it's, it's stressful, man. I can't lie to you. Uh, so I don't know if tattooing is any less stressful, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a different vibe. So I was super been tattooing for a couple of years right now. I'm just, honestly, I got two kids, um, and I focus on the band and I'm mm. doing some crazy big painting stuff this year, but awesome, man. all over the place. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, what well, sounds like is that you've achieved that that equilibrium these days. I know the band had a break about eight years ago or so, seven years ago or so. You got back into it. The band's riding high. You got a. I, I can see you've got a great relationship with Spine Farm. In our, in our wake, I think is uh, certainly out of all of your albums, probably one of my favourites. I think it's. I hate using this word, so work with me when I say this. Maturity. You know what I mean, really. When I say maturity, it's yeah. just you've learned a whole bunch from your previous six albums that you can put into that album. But it really sounds like as though you're coming into your own now. Yeah, I feel like this next one too will be that next step to immaturity. To me, in a way, this is a fucking weird way to sell a record because it doesn't sound like this. It just like it sounds like a fucking dark. It has some very dark '80s gothic pop elements. Nice. And I don't mean like pop as in like happy, like it's like just some like a depressing sounding rock and shit. Yes, nice. Hey, what do you think of Synthwave? I've got to ask you this question. Of who what? Have you heard of the genre Synthwave? No, I haven't. I'm scared. Check it out. Please check it out. If you're into being a hard rock guy and a metal guy, if you're into a lot of 80s goth sounds and a lot of the electronica that surrounds that mate honestly uh when you when you can when this interview block finishes just go onto youtube and type in synthwave and you might have found something that's going to become pretty special to you i don't know what it is about synthwave but metal fans love it all over it i'll check you know for this record what i've done is uh, a little bit different even than like the last record is i commute every day i drive to the studio it's about a two hour two and a half hour drive each way so i spend like four or five hours in the car every day hmm. um and i won't listen to any modern music i only listen to, like we have i have satellite radio so i listen cool. to yeah. 80s on eight and then new wave station so i listen <laughs> to like a lot of Mode and in excess and police and stuff like that and there's some really dark songs and subject matter and a lot of the stuff it's put across in a maybe a poppier, shinier, catchy way, but it, they're fucked up dark emotions. And I think Atreyu has always done that. So I get yeah. sort of a weird inspiration from that shit. Nice, man. It's good to know. Yeah, it's really good to know. Yeah, you bang on point. I've, I'm, a, I'm a musician too, and I play covers, and I've played enough in excess to know that their lyrics are fairly dark at times as well. I mean, Depeche Mode, <laughs> and Depeche Mode as well. Like, they're one of my favorite bands ever, actually. And uh, Ultra. Super dark. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that Ultra, their album from 1997, is really about David coming out of his heroin addiction. You know? And yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty dark. It does not get too much darker. <laughs> Mate, I think I think we're done in terms of time. Have you got another interview coming through in the next couple of minutes? 
uh, at I have four minutes. Four minutes. All right. So if you want to, if you got another question or two, I can hit it. Yeah, I just got this last one. Last one for you. I mean, you've you've been around the world many times now. You've played many venues and you've done a lot with the band. But mate, what's the the biggest challenge that you faced as an artist and as, and as a musician? Hands down, and it's the same for any family man. I think the drummer in our in our Brandon in our band singer drummer guy, my buddy, mm. it's the same thing. Uh, being away from your your family and especially the kids. You know, we all have over the years gotten used to being away from our wives and our girlfriends, and it's terrible. And you don't get used to it, but you learn how to cope, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like, I have a, two, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Brandon's got two younger Beautiful. girls that are just a little younger. Than it's, uh, you, you have to learn again how to be away from that. And that's an adjustment, and that's a hard thing because it can affect your mood, and that's not always not always in a good way. So you have to control and learn how to deal with those emotions while you're out, you know, doing the best shit in the world. Well said, mate. Well said. Yeah. Well, look, congratulations on everything, mate. Um, you know, these shows down here in Australia, you know, they're already well received. The pre-sales are strong. So, mate, just go forth and conquer and do your thing, mate. And uh, hopefully I'll be at the show. It's just hard for me to get out because like you too, man, I've got young kids and uh, <laughs> it's so hard to get out these <laughs> <Yeah>. days. <laughs> you know, It's the only good excuse these days and I use it all the time. I feel you. <laughs> no worries, brother. All right. Thanks very much for the conversation. It's been great. Hey, thanks for your time. Hopefully we'll see you out there. If not, I hope you have a good night with the family. Thanks, brother. No worries at all. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Alex Vakatsis from the US outfit Atreyu. Thanks for listening. <laughs>